And we are live. Awesome. Welcome to the Restaurant Marketing Podcast, where we talk about how multi-unit brands successfully market at the local level. Uh, today in the show, we welcome Armin Oganizian, uh, co-founder of Dave's Hot Chicken. The concept was originally launched from a tiny stand in a parking lot in West Hollywood, California, and with a massive social media presence, uh, they've moved now to about 65 locations making one of the fastest growing restaurant brands. Uh, Armin was originally born in Armenia, and he started the brand with a couple of friends uh, on what I'm told is a budget of $900. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and a fun fact is Armin here used to do stand-up comedy before Dave's Hot Chicken. Armin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, great to be here. I'm, I'm super excited. Okay, so the, I usually do not start at the fun fact level. In fact, we almost never talk about it, but this one's too interesting. Okay. How do you go from stand-up comedy to hot chicken? Like, how does that happen? You, you fail at it, dude. You fail at it really hard. And then you wonder what else you need. No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, obviously, like, stand-up doesn't really pay that well. And uh, I think at the time, uh, you know, I was doing like a couple shows a month and I was getting paid like maybe 50 bucks a show on a good day. Um, so it just definitely wasn't paying the bills. And, um, and at the time, I was already kind of like using marketing to get people to come down to the shows and you know, I would actually sell out like a couple hundred people to show, even though it wasn't my show and a lot of the people were there to see me. So I was kind of like, dude, like, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty all right at marketing. So I was like, I could probably take this skill and use it towards something that's, you know, probably going to make me a little bit more money. That, that is awesome. And was there, was there like an obvious point at which you were like, no more ha ha's, only ha ha chicken? Or was like, is there an obvious moment there? <laughs> I think when the bills weren't getting paid, I was like, this is not a laughing matter anymore, dude. I'm like, we've got to. You gotta switch it up real quick. So, <laughs> I yeah, used to. Yeah. Uh, I spent some time in the in the comedy business. I was in art. I was a com comedy manager. Uh, really? I, did, I did some marketing for Comedy Central Records, uh, really? and I was really into comedy. And at the time, I was doing artist management for heavy metal bands. And I found a comedian that I just really liked. And I was like, "Dude, I'll I'll be your artist manager. I'll break you in the music business." And we had a lot of fun. We did some crazy stuff. And then mm -hmm. after a while, I was like wow, we've been doing this for like two years and neither of us is making money. That's so funny. <laughs> this is not right. This is not how it's I was about to say, where were you when I needed a manager? And then I heard that. I'm like, it's good. We, would have, we wouldn't have helped <laughs> each other out. It's not a good business. It was It was a lot of fun though. I I, I learned a whole lot. So, and the, the comedy business is fun. What kind of comedy were you doing? Uh, I was doing just straight stand-up comedy. Like a lot of, uh, you know, it was like an Armenian theme show. So there was like a lot of Armenian people. So, you know, just doing a lot of cu cultural jokes and things like that. Uh, I was doing a lot of like sketch comedy uh, where, you know, there was a, this was around the time where I don't know if you remember Vine. Do you remember Vine back in the day? I know what a six second video is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so, uh, cause it died off. So it got popular really quick and died off. So a lot of people don't even remember it, but uh, during the Vine days, like we used to make a lot of sketch comedy videos and uh, YouTube videos. And, you know, just as a comedian, as an actor, you're, you're trying to do whatever you can to get your face out there. But, you know, so just trying whatever I can. But mostly stand up because that's where I, you know, that's where my passion was. Nice. I'm, I'm going to come back to this in a second because I think there's probably a, an easy segue from making Vine videos to marketing hot chicken. But <laughs> let, let, let's talk about the, the start of Dave's Hot Chicken and the $900 in, in a West Hollywood parking lot. T tell, tell us how you how that began. Uh, so obviously, being a comedian, you don't have a lot of money on deck, so you don't have a big savings account. Um I had uh, my friend Dave, who I'd been friends with since uh, like high school, and he'd always been like really into like uh, the culinary field, and he worked at a lot of different restaurants, and you know he studied food. So uh, I remember 
chicken was starting to get really trending in LA and people were, you know, and I always loved fried chicken and it was starting to get really trending. And there was a place called Hal and Ray's that was doing Nashville hot chicken. So I remember I went there and I ate it. And I, I fell in love and I was like, this is the most amazing food I've ever had. And I kind of started thinking to myself, I'm like, damn, I'm like, what if we kind of like, cause it was lines out the door. It was the only one of its kind. There was a lot of, you know, demand, but not so much supply. So I started thinking like, dude, what if we can, you know, kind of come up with our own recipe because I was like, well, I, Dave's my, one of my closest friends and he's a chef and, you know, I'm sure fried chicken is not that complex of a thing to cook. So I, but what's funny at the time, Dave was actually a, a, a vegetarian. He was working at a vegetarian restaurant and he was kind of like, he got really into things. So when he was working at a certain type of restaurant, he kind of switches diet to like the genre is really weird. So he was just, he, he was working at a place called Elf Cafe. So he was a vegetarian. So I had to kind of convince him to eat chicken and then I had to convince him to like quit his job and just work on a recipe and start a fried chicken place. That's kind of what we did. So I kind of convinced him over time. We went to Howland Race together. He tried it. He also fell in love. We started kind of working on a recipe in his house, um, you know, doing whatever we could. We'd get there like, you know, we get in the morning, make some chicken, eat it, watch some documentaries about fried chicken, go eat some, you know, national fried chicken chain, come back, do it again. And I think we did that for about like four months until we had like a recipe that we really loved. And uh, one of our other best friends, Tommy, who's been my friend since kindergarten, actually joined us along the way and started working on the recipe with us. So then when we had the recipe done, we kind of looked at each other. And we're like, okay, cool. We have the recipe done. We know people will like this because we've tested it out. But like, how do we actually sell it to people, right? We're like, we don't have any money. We don't have any savings accounts. None of our parents were that well off to help us. So we kind of started considering a food truck, which was obviously was way too expensive at the time for us. And one of our buddies was like, well, how about you guys do a pop-up? And we're like, well, what do you mean a pop-up? He's like, yeah, we'll just pop up somewhere, buy a couple, you know, buy some equipment, sell the food, and then leave when you're done. And we're like, dude, that could actually really work. So we found this little spot. It was like a little spot in a parking lot. And we talked to the landlord and he told us we can have it because he thought we were doing like a little hot dog stand or something. And we uh, were like, okay, well, how much money do we have? And I had like 200 bucks saved up or like 250. And then Dave's like, okay, I'll take my last check from my job. And Tommy put in uh, some money in it. At the end, it was like 950 bucks. So we went and we bought like a fryer from like Craigslist and we bought like some tables and we bought like a heat, just the basic things that we needed. And then the next morning we just popped up or like the next day we just popped up at the parking lot and we made like 40 bucks that night. And uh, we just kind of like took that for, and we just kind of just kept reinvesting the money and just doing it again uh, until it got bigger and bigger. Oh man, that's crazy. So, so day, day one was 40 bucks <laughs> and I'm guessing that was enough to make you want to have day two. Well, the, the yeah, we're like, dude, we're like, it's better than nothing, man. We're kind of happy. We're like, at least we sold. And I think the 40 bucks was like, couple of our friends that came by but like dude we we got there we got to the pop-up at like 9 p.m and by the time we set up it was like 10 30 so we were like yeah dude we're not we're like we fucked it up today you know we're like we gotta start this over so we uh the next day we got there a little bit earlier we got there like six and we made some chicken and uh, uh me and tommy went around the block and we started just handing samples out to people like little bits of chicken and people really liked it. They kept coming back. And I think the second day we made like a hundred something dollars and we were like, oh, cool. You know, we were like, it's getting there. Third day, like we passed around some samples, but halfway through a lot of the people from the day before started coming in. Like it was really crazy. And people were like, oh yeah, these are the guys that gave us the samples, really good chicken. 
and I think on the fourth or fifth day, um, I got a DM on Instagram from Farley Elliott, who's one of the writers of Eater LA, huge writer. And I mean, we've gone to a ton of the restaurants that he'd wrote about before. So he's like, hey, I hear about what you guys are doing and I want to come check it out. And uh, we were like, well, yeah, of course, we knew exactly who he was. And we kind of prepped for him that day. We were like prepping the whole day. We're like, well, he's going to come in. We got to be ready. So this guy comes in at night and he was kind of surprised it was a pop-up, but he kind of like he was like doing what we were doing because it was so scrappy and we made him the food and he ate it and he's like you know great job guys and he kind of left and we're like oh well that was really amazing we're like he ate the food he liked it we didn't really know if he was gonna write anything about it or not and we wake up the next day and this guy had written the craziest article about dave's he's like this late night hot chicken stand will blow your mind and he was just giving us praise and love and we, we get to the pop-up that day at like six o'clock and there's literally like 90 people waiting for us in line. Wow. And we're like, and we panicked because we had a fryer that would make like four orders every 20 minutes or every 15 minutes. And we see a hundred people in line and we haven't even set up yet. And in the article it said we're open at seven and we got there like seven ten. So this whole time we're like setting up really fast. Like all these people are waiting for us and we're trying our best. Like I'm, I'm like doing jokes. I'm trying to make them laugh and all this stuff. And it was like, a, it was the most amazing yet disastrous night because literally doing four orders every 15 minutes with a hundred people in line and more coming. And it was crazy, but we took all the money we made that day. And I think we went and bought like a more official fryer. And we even like, I think borrowed some money from our like, Whatever we can we put somebody together, we're like, we need a bigger fryer because there's no way we're going to be able to serve people with this. And then from there, it just it literally got busier and busier every day. There was more articles. There was more bloggers. There was just it just kept getting crazier and crazier. A little bit right place, right time. And, and the food was also good. Yeah, man, definitely. All right, but before we jump to the next step here, Gabe is asking a question. Why do you think hot, uh, hot chicken caught on so well in Los Angeles? Um, well, a couple reasons. One, I think the food itself is just really, really flavorful. And there's not a lot of food that packs so much flavor, you know, and I think fried chicken is so loved amongst everybody. And honestly, I, I have to give some of the credit also to Howland Ray's because the way they kind of brought Nashville Hot Chicken into LA and the way they served it, and introduced it to the people, like a lot of people fell in love with it. And uh, I feel like it's, it's, it's called National Hot Chicken, but it's such a big stable in LA now. Like I feel like it's such an LA thing. Like there's, it's so loved in LA. But you know, I feel like a lot of it is just the food, how good it is, the history behind it, and the way it was introduced to the people. I'm blessed. Yeah. Well, I, you know, Gabe and I both live here in New York City, and we're hoping it will catch on. So whatever you guys have, Dude. we. So <laughs> we're actually um, we should be opening our first store out there, and like I think. I want to say like a month or two, dude. I'd have to double check, but I know it's coming pretty soon. Oh, we'll be waiting for you. All right. Now I got another question here. Justin is asking, how did you get Bill Phelps to join you? So that's a jump to another part of the conversation, but. Uh, so that's actually a really funny story. So <clears throat> when we were in the Western store, we already get a lot of people contacting us. They wanted to partner up. They wanted to help us franchise all these things. But we didn't like a lot of people's energy. We didn't felt like we didn't feel like it was a good match. And then one day we got a, a post-it note from a guy named John Davis that said owners of Dave's called John Davis. 
So we call this guy and they pick up the phone. They're like, Davis Entertainment, how may we help you? And already we're like, wow, this guy's even answering his own phone. This could be crazy. So this guy, you know, gets on the call. He's like, look, I hear about what you guys are doing out there. I really want to come check it out. And I, and I want to like, you know, see what we can help you with. So we're like, yeah, cool. Come on down. So this guy comes down. He sees the restaurant, really amazing guy, and uh, he loved the concept. And he's like, look, he's like, I'm, I'm partners with a guy named Bill Phelps. We did Wetzel's Pretzels together. We did Blaze Pizza together. Um, I'd really love for him to come check this concept out also and meet you guys. And if you, we all like each other, we should, you know, you know, take this to the next level. So then Bill came down the next day through John, and we met Bill. And he also loved the concept, and we love Bill. He was an amazing guy obviously extremely intelligent they've done this a ton of times before so after that first meeting we just like really vibed out with them and we're like dude if there's anybody that we need to partner up with to expand this it's it's these guys so they kind of found us so it sounds like that that's happened a few times in your story <laughs> yeah right dude i'm uh, telling you, like it's some of the stuff like this right place every with this dave's journey so far it's always like kind of like right place right time right person and it's kind of just been like that for the whole time that's awesome. All right. So how do you go from parking lot to store number one? Right. So like eventually in the parking lot, we started to get like really busy, like really busy. I think uh, on average we were doing like $3,000 of sales in like three or four hours at the pop-up. Wow. So we were making like pretty good money. So we kind of understood early on that like we don't want to blow this and we don't want to be stupid. And what we want to do is we want to take all this money and collect enough money that we can put, you know, we can buy a storefront because that was all the ultimate goal was to get a storefront and when we originally started the pop-up the plan was to do the pop-up for a year save up enough money for a food truck for a year and then get a store in two years so because we were moving so fast and we we're making so much money we kind of realized that we can do this a lot faster and then um once we had like a nice amount of money collected uh we remember uh, tom's older brother gary who was also like kind of helping us out along the way He's like, look, he's like, I could invest the rest of the money and we could uh, become the four, four founders and we could open up our first storefront together. So we kind of were like, yeah, you know what? We'd love to partner up. So we put up half the money. Gary put up half the money and we bought our first storefront on Western and Romaine. And uh, I think we built it out for like a couple, like a couple hundred thousand dollar build out, which was huge to us at the time. And uh, I think within six months, we had the store ready to go. So I think it took us... Six months in the pop-up and then one more month to renovate the store. So it was like six months total in the parking lot and we were at the location. Okay. So this is a show about marketing. So let, let's have a slight segue here. So store okay. opens, you kind of, you've kind of caught like flame in a bottle here, right? Like, yeah. you got, like it's something's just rolling. You're just trying to hold on. Yeah. Right? How did you at some point like formalize that energy and marketing along the growth pattern, right? So you're two stores, three stores, where, like where, at what point did you become like a marketer? You know what I mean? Or, so did, I think, or even really just did the brand lean into marketing? Dude, honestly, I think from like, even before the pop-up started, like even the way we would think about the business, like, okay, well, even the double sliders and the tenders, like the entire uh, thought process behind it is like from a, and I see everything is marketing and not just like telling people about the food, but like the way it's easy to hold with one hand and you can do something else with the other hand that makes people want to eat it more. So we thought about that. We thought about having two sandwiches. You could switch up the heat levels. We thought about the simple menu will make people want to come back more and they'll, they'll be more confident to tell their friends about it because they feel like they know the menu. So there's all these things, the, the logo we chose to use and why we chose to use it. Um, and even when we started initially going to the pop-up, a lot of it was me using like 
what I learned from social media and marketing comedy to like hype up the food and, you know, a ton of like food pictures on Instagram using a lot of hashtags. And I was going to like, you know, KFC's page and Gus's fried chicken page or whatever. And I would go to their followers. And I would follow all of the followers and I would like all of their pictures and I would go on the LA food hashtag and I'd like everybody's. So I was like on there for hours and I was trying to bring as many eyes as possible to the Dave's hot chicken page. And then kind of understanding that that's one step. And the second step is to get them to come in in person and make sure the food is like really high quality. And then after that, I kind of understood we would keep them as a customer. So we, if we could initially hype the food enough and if we can get enough images of the food out there to create this craveability and people to want to come eat the food. And then we could actually deliver on that promise of how good the food is when they came in. Then there's no reason why they shouldn't keep coming in. So we kind of approached it with that mindset. So it was just a lot of, and we kind of also understood the power of like user generated content. So as the Farley article came out, we kind of maybe use that as leverage to have other bloggers write about us, you know, knowing that we don't, we've already hit this like really high level of being written about in either LA. So we kind of use that and kind of like as ammo to have like bloggers post about us and Instagram people post about us and that kind of made other people post about us. So we were just kind of milking it any way we could. We just wanted the logo and the food to be in front of as many eyes as possible. And we wanted to deliver on what we were promising them is like, this food is really amazing. This is, you know, whatever. So we kind of approached it in that mindset, you know, so, also not being very gimmicky. We always talk about like, don't be gimmicky. Like, if you're, if you're confident enough in your food the way it is, you shouldn't have to add random stuff to your menu. Like, I don't know, like people are doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Like they were putting chicken and hot dog buns after a while. Because after Dave's, a lot of people were like, well, if these guys to do it in a parking lot, I'm sure we can do it. So there was all these brands popping up with these like gimmicky things. And we we're always like, dude, we need to avoid that stuff. We need to be true to the brand we started. We were very big fans of In-N-Out also and how they kept this really high quality menu over time. And we just kind of also saw that as our marketing also, that we're, we're so confident in our food that we're keeping it the way it is. And we're not adding gimmicky things to it because we think we need more customers, you know? We approached it with this, like, we know our food is also so good that you should also make an effort to try it, as cocky as that sounds. But we wanted to have that confidence in our brand. I'm with you. I'm not being gimmicky. I will say this, though. The idea of a hot chicken breakfast burrito very much excites me. So if you want right. to like I wouldn't consider okay. that gimmicky. So. Well, uh, well, just between us, we're kind of talking about it now. So who knows? It might pop up out of somewhere one day. <laughs> awesome. All right. So stay true to who your identity was. B did a lot of brick by brick, you know, move my move, you know, do a lot of people think you can just like shoot a bullet and like fix marketing, but it's a ton of little tiny moves, like yeah. following tons of people, liking yeah. like, you did the work, right? Dude, social media. I mean, I, I'd always like been really good with social media. And I feel like it, it was one of the easiest tools for marketing at our time. And it still is. It's still an amazing tool right now. But obviously now it's a little more saturated because people kind of caught on that. Like it's probably better to advertise with social media than anywhere else. So we were very heavily focused on social media. A lot of Instagram. I mean, our Instagram is like just tons of food pictures. Nothing else but food pictures. Just fucking bombarding people with food pictures and and knowing that 90 percent of the time people are on their phone right so if you can just get them to see the picture on their phone and if you can kind of build the convenience where they're one click away from getting the address and one click away from coming in it just makes things easier on people you know we also kept in mind that we're and also us being young and knowing what it takes for us to go inside a restaurant we were kind of using that to our advantage right it's like 
well, I'm on social media all day. I know what it takes to get me somewhere. So I'm kind of using that to get people like me to come in through the door. All right. I mean, listen, you guys at this point have half a million followers. And look, if you if you interviewed 10 me's, 10 marketers and said, hey, here's what you should do on social media. Probably one of us might say it's OK to only do food porn. Really? You, oh, you need pictures of employees and you got to tell Oh, hell no, dude. Oh, my God. For you I get so, dude, I get so, like, because people sometimes come and ask me, like, hey, Armand, can you give me some advice on our social media? But when I'm like, sure, I'll look at it. And when I see pictures of, like, employees, and I get really mad, I'm like, dude, think about it. Like, as a customer, like, when you, let's just say you, I tell you, like, hey, dude, I'm like, you got to try this restaurant. They serve really good crunch wraps. And then you go on their IG page, and out of 17 pictures, two pictures are of the crunch wrap. Five are the employees. One is the, their trash can in the back. One of it is like a promo that you're going to be like, dog, like I want to see your food. Like I want to see what I'm coming in to buy. Like I need to see enough pictures of your food that I can make a, 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 an educated decision on as funny as that sounds on whether or not I want to come try it. And me seeing your employee, that's not really cre- creating a craveability factor for me, you know? So you think it's all about that? It's all about the, the craveability? At least me, man. I think, I mean... <coughs> And also depending on the app, right? So now we do a little bit of TikTok, which I never really did too much TikTok. But on TikTok, I'll, I'll upload some user-generated content of customers eating the food and reviewing it. And I think that works a little bit. But for IG, because it's so picture-based, and I feel like IG is very like eye candy. Like you need things to pop out if you want them to catch your attention. We just go really heavy on food, a lot of reds, a lot of colors and things like that. But on TikTok, there is a little more people there's a little more like talking and things like that because because it's a video you can kind of get away with that but in a picture i feel like you can't get away with it as easy fair enough i are you still taking all the photos or is that you have somebody else doing that now no nah, i still take i still take them <laughs> i'll take like 90 percent of them and every now and then like i'll look through our tag photos to see if there's like a good picture i could use <laughs> when i'm feeling lazy i'm like dude let's see if anyone took a good picture this week I hear you. I own one rest, one location of one restaurant and I still take all of our photos. So yeah, I love it. I love it, dude. I love it. Yeah, man. It, it's, it's kind of fun too. You know, like nobody loves your food the way you do and nobody knows the angles of your food the way you do. So, you know, I feel like it's, it's best for that person to take the picture. Plus if you're taking the pictures of your food, it means you love your food, man. It means you love it so much that you don't want it to be seen in bad light. So I respect that. God bless. Well, the, you don't want direct sunlight. You want shaded light. That's a whole other story. You <laughs> dude, already dude. know, dude. <laughs> now we're getting specific. All right. So let's let's fast forward. We got eight minutes left here. Okay. So you go from pop-up to one store to a couple of stores. You now have 60-some stores with more on the way. What do you what kind of marketing? What has changed about marketing from you know one to two stores to 65? Like what do you do now? Um at its core, it's still really similar. It's a lot of like get the food in front of people's eyes, get them to crave the food, and then deliver on the promise when they come in. Um, just now, because we're in so many different places, it's like social stuff. So, so like we're in places like let's say um, um, where we opened up recently. I think it was like Fairview Park, Ohio, where like the social media usership within like a five mile radius was like five thousand people which is pretty low. So that means it's going to be a lot harder to get your brand in front of everybody in Fairview Park if you're just using social media. So so now, so now some of it is like curving towards like, okay, well, how can we get some local local food pictures? Like how can we get people to locally crave the food, whether that's billboards, whether that's some sort of flyers, whether that's, you know, 
it could be all kinds of, whether it's maybe like catering somewhere and giving people some free samples again, things we talked about. Um, so it changes in that sense. But again, the core of it, I believe should always be the same as like, because we're a restaurant, the product we have is food. And I feel like people need to see the food. And when they see the food, they'll make a decision on whether or not they want to try it. And again, the other half of that is delivering when they come in, because it's easy to make food look good. And it's easy to make people come in at least one time, but it's hard to like kind of de deliver on the hype you've promised. And that's where I feel like you really keep the customers when they come in and the food is bomb. So in the, in its course, the same, but now we just look for different avenues of like, okay, we got pictures on social media. It's like, okay. How many other avenues of, of media can we find to, to get this image in front of people and get them to decide whether or not they want to try the food? So what, what other media channels are you using or have worked to get awareness for, let's say, a new location? So, so right now we just uh, we just wrapped up our first official day hot chicken commercials. And I think we're doing like um, some local testing on it now. And we're about to like have it go national. So that'll be one of the things now. So that's like a, so that is um, one of our tools for like a, it's, it's just broad. Like it, that'll hit all of our different states and stores. So I feel like that's one of them. Um, we try to look for like really funny billboards and we our, our commercial campaign and our billboard are kind of linked. So now a lot of places will get this like really cool billboard with food on it. And the entire campaign is kind of like based around like, don't die before you try Dave's, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's, the, the ads are really funny actually. So it's kind of creating the sense of urgency. Like dude, like it could happen any second when random. So get to a store and try Dave's. Um, in, in Texas, we did some like wanted, Dave's like slider posters, which worked really well. Um, so we just like, we're trying and, and the funny thing is because it's very recent that we have so many stores, right? Like if you go back one year, we're at like, I think 20 stores or something like that. So you fast forward a year, we're at like 70 and then if you go one more year, we're going to be at like 200. So it's kind of like, we're, we're still also ourselves figuring out like, okay, how could we do more marketing, stay true to ourselves and get more people in certain places to come through the door. God bless. So, uh, other than the food, is your secret sauce creativity? Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, uh, restaurants, I, I, I hate to say it, but restaurants are a pretty boring. They're usually a pretty boring, like, you know, division. So you, you, you have to spice it up somehow, right? Like you have to add some entertainment to it, you know? So we try to be creative in like, at least the way we build our stores, the way we do our artwork, you know, there's always like a little, uh, Dave logo in the stores doing something. There's some sort of parody to make people laugh. So, you know, try to stay creative. Even the merch we drop and the different things we do, we just, we always want to stay creative and we don't want to be a boring brand, you know? I hear that. Uh, do you think about the brand as having its own personality? Absolutely. Absolutely. What, is the, what is the personality of the brand? Uh, it's, it's, it's like a fun, quirky brand. It's very like... It doesn't like to be like gimmicky. It doesn't like to be cheesy. It likes to be relevant, I think. And it, it and it always wants to stay true to itself. I say that because like when we originally started the brand, the, the true to itself was make good food for people. Don't do it for like just this like gimmicky shit. Just make it because you want to make genuinely good food and you want to serve it to people and, and have them enjoy your brand. And that's been like the core of the brand. So that's what I feel like it always wants to maintain. It really wants to maintain people loving the food. Like for me, it's not about having a million locations it's about having locations that serve people food that people love and that's like at the core what i like really want out of the brand 
By the way, it is not lost on me that an ex-comedian tells me that his brand is very serious uh, <laughs> and their logo is a rubber chicken. I just want to point that out. So. Dude, you want to hear the story about that? So as yes. we're work- it's a really funny story. So as we're working on the recipe, like in the first like month before the pop-up and anything, we were in a swap meet, me and Dave. And there was this random store inside the swap meet and there was one rubber chicken hanging there, just one rubber chicken. And we're like, dude, what is this rubber chicken doing here? We're like, we should buy it. And it might be like our good luck charm. And it was a dollar. We bought it for one dollar. We named him Dave. We kept him with us the entire time we were building the recipe. Every day at the pop-up, there was like this little yellow pole. We put him in the yellow pole and that that was the sign that we were now open. And when we were closed, we would take the chicken out of that. And right before we started the brand, we'd ask all these people to make us a logo. And people were like, oh, I don't have time. Or they'd ask us for money, which we didn't have. So we eventually just took a picture of the rubber chicken's face. And that was our logo until like a year later. Literally, that was our logo for like a year. Even at our Western store, that was our logo. It was just a picture of our rubber chicken. Until somebody took that and digitized it. And then that became our official logo. And we still have that rubber. I still have that rubber chicken in my house. And every Dave's Hot Chicken store has a rubber chicken inside it and like a little <laughs> glass box that says breaking case of emergencies. That's amazing. Yeah. That is- so he's like our good luck charm, dude. Like he's been there since day one until now. So we're like, we got to make him the logo. dude. Are, are they all named Dave? They're all named Dave. Yeah. Do we have, have a- this like secret joke that there's only one real rubber chicken, Dave. And he kind of just like puts his like consciousness into other rubber chickens just so he could be everywhere because this one's at my house right now and every other rubber chicken is at like every other dave's so he's like everywhere at the same time but he's safe you know he's safe at my house so no one can take him please tell me that somewhere in your house you have a copy of too many daves by dr seuss oh dude i don't but now that you say that i'm buying it right now (laughs) amazon it right after this All right. Well, Armin, one of the founders of Dave's Hot Chicken. This has been super awesome. I really appreciate some of the storytelling. Before we sign off here, any any marketing advice for restaurants? Um, For restaurants, make it about the food, man. Make sure the food is amazing. Make sure people see how amazing the food looks and then deliver on the food when they come in and you should be good to go. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate it. If you like the show, share it with somebody who you think will find value from it and be sure to follow us on whatever platform you enjoyed. And uh, Armin from Dave's Hot Chicken, thank you so much. Thank you guys, man. All right. Thank you. You guys are awesome.